Father, thank you so much that we can trust you. Thank you that you are not only all-powerful and just, but you love us. And you are working out a plan that is so perfect. And you are greater than any and every challenge that we will ever face. You're greater than the opportunity that's coming. May we believe in you. And and now, Lord, as we look at your word, would you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I've got good news. God has not abandoned you. He's not forgotten you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows what's coming down the pipe. And he's bigger. He's greater. He he could have abandoned us in our sin, but he didn't. He loves you so much. He loves us so much. That he became like us so that we could become like him. Isn't that good news? And that good news has ramifications for every aspect of your life and mine. And this month, we are going to learn again that God is greater than any challenge, than any pain, than any disappointment, and any opportunity we will ever face. You are going, and I am going, to have challenges so long as we're alive. And in those challenges, listen to me, we are going to take emotional hits. People that love you are going to hurt you. People that don't love you are going to hurt you. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to make some decisions. You're going to choose to think some things and feel some things, do some things that are going to hurt you. But through it all, hear me, God is greater. But you've got to be careful about the emotional hits you're taking. Because I'm going to tell you something I've learned. You can be mentally and physically fine. But if you get to an emotional zero, you can't function. So you can mentally be shut down and, and even physically almost completely broken. And so long as you're emotionally strong, you can keep going. Let me tell you what I've seen from dear friends, men that I admire, that I, I, I go for counsel. One who just a few years ago celebrated one of the sweetest times in ministry. And the next day, mentally, physically fine, could not get out of bed for days because he'd taken so many emotional hits and just kept trudging and kept trudging and thought, okay, after this, I'm going to be up and done. A friend of mine who had to spend almost six months in the hospital because he kept on living off the adrenaline, the emotional adrenaline that everything was going to work out according to his plan. He kept pushing, pushing, and it didn't happen. And he took hits personally, professionally, and it put him down. Friends, we've got to be so aware, self-aware of the emotional energy that we do or do not have. And we have to protect our heart because from it is the wellspring of life. And so as you're facing challenges, as I'm facing, as we are facing challenges, we have to understand that God is greater. 
And when we understand God is greater, that gives us the emotional strength that we will need to keep going forward. we got to learn how to trust in Him. Really trust in Him. This, this day, today, we're, we're going to learn that God is bigger than our plans. And you can trust Him. We can trust Him. Now understand that, that God made us to plan. Okay? When God created the world, He created everything perfect. It was in perfect harmony. And He gave us a very simple command that we're supposed to do. Command, by the way, that still stands. Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, 28. And God blessed them, and, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God said, You're responsible. God made us responsible beings. You and I are responsible. We are to take responsibility for what happens, for what's ahead. So what we're to do is we're to say, here we are. Here's what we think we should do. Now we have to create a plan to get there. And that's how human beings work. That's what we do. Now we have to be really sensitive and careful to understand the reality that we are no longer in a perfect world. We are no longer uh, in, in a perfect relationship with God uh, outside of Jesus Christ because of sin. But even in a perfect relationship with, with Christ through faith in, in Christ alone, there's still sin working in our members. There's sin in the world. And, and so that sin is going to taint our thinking and our plans. So we have to remember what, what, what we read in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Understand that in your flesh, outside of God, any plan that you make outside of God, without God, is going to lead to something bad. Because that's our nature. You can take something good, friends. You can take something good. And because of the, our, the sin in our flesh, our natural tendency towards sin, we will, we will create, we will have a wrong motive, a selfish motive. And we'll take a good thing and we'll mess it up. So we have to acknowledge and be humble, humble ourselves and say, God, look, I know I'm responsible. I know I've got to make plans, but I also know that I am tainted with sin. And, and so apart from you, I'm going to create plans that, that are not honorable to you. And then we have to acknowledge who God says he is. Isaiah 55, 8, 9. Look, who God, look what God says about himself. This is the God of the Bible. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts uh, than your thoughts. What's God saying? I'm smarter than you. I'm bigger than you. I'm better than you. He's God, we're not. Everybody got that? That's simple. But we doubt it. We often doubt it. I'm going to be saying these things over and over throughout the series, but I want to say them just, and I just want you to listen. Don't even worry about writing them down right now. If you, if you want to go back, they'll be online tonight, they'll be on Facebook, they'll be on the app. Just listen to me right now. I want to make sure I want you to hear me real careful, okay? First thing, we must never subjugate God's plans to our plans. We must never say, okay, God, here's my plans. Now you get under me. We are to say, God, you're God. You've got the plan. I subjugate everything about me to you. We often mess that up. 
We often say, okay, God, I've got the plan. Let's go. Don't do that. Second, we must never make our plans the thing we live for. There are so many good things to pursue in life. But if you make a created thing your ultimate plan, you are going to be devastated. If you make a child, if you make your spouse, if you make your job, anything you can't keep, what you're living for, the moment you lose it, you will be devastated. Do not make an idol of your plans, or it will crush you. Third thing, and this is probably the most important one, but it's, it sounds confusing, so listen to a couple of a couple times. Our plans, apart from God, will fail even if they succeed. Our plans, apart from God, will fail even if they succeed. What am I talking about? Think about people that our world says are a success. Think about celebrities. Think about people in political power, people with economic power. Success. Anyone that does not have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, no matter what they have of an earthly thing, is empty. And they have failed at life. Because, see, no matter how much money, how much power, how much whatever it is you want to have, it can never fill the eternal void within your soul. And so if you've got a plan that's going to make you a success, but it is void of God, even if you succeed in that plan, you have failed because your heart will never be satisfied. Last thing. The only way to remain emotionally healthy is to trust God and follow Him by submitting your plan to Him. The only way to stay emotionally healthy is to submit yourself to God, to keep your eyes on Him, to make Him your goal, to make Him your plan, to make Him your all, your purpose for living. Because anything else will fail you and then it will crush you. The person we're going to be studying this month messed it up. Okay? And we're going to learn from him. It's one of the reasons why I know the Bible is true. Because the Bible, the Bible tells, tells it like it is and tells it what happened. Fairy tells the, the hero is always right, he's always good. Well, in the Bible, there's one hero, Jesus Christ, and he's the only one that's ever right and good. But all the other ones are messed, as messed up as me and you. And isn't that good news? So we're going to look at the life of Elijah. And we're going to see a man who made his plan his God. And when it didn't work out, it crushed him. So let me introduce him to you first. We're going to be in 1 Kings 19. If you got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out. Go to 1 Kings, but don't go to 19. I want to introduce you to, uh, to our brother Elijah. Go to verse 17. And in verse 17, you'll find that he's a prophet. He's been called by God. God gave him a heads up that there's about to be a drought. And he tells him, I want to head to the Kareth Ravine, to the creek where, of Kareth. And he said, there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed you. I'm going to take care of you. Ravens are going to bring you food. And sure enough, God was faithful. He followed God's plan. Now, he would have never probably come up with that plan. Hey, wouldn't it be great to be in the middle of nowhere and live by a creek and have birds feed you and get by like that? That was God's plan. He went, and guess what? God showed up. Now, the, 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 
the drought got so bad that the creek at the Kareth Ravine had actually dried up. So God said, okay, I knew this was happening. I got another plan. So you look in verse 17. He says, okay, I want you to go to Zarephath. There's a, there's a widow there. Goes to Zarephath, runs into a woman who's ready to give up. About to have her last meal and die with her son. And Elijah says, well, fix me a cake. She says, I don't have anything. He says, use what you got and it won't be used up. And God provided. And so here, here they were, the three of them, living off of this little bit of oil, a little bit of food, and God sustained them. God provided. But then, you know, just when you think everything's going good, the next challenge comes up. And what's the next challenge? Her son dies. So what does is, what is Elijah do? He looks to God. He's not overwhelmed. He's not undone. He, he looks to God in faith, and God raises the boy from the dead. So here is Elijah seeing the provision of God. And so now, with, with faith that's been built up, he's ready to go and meet with Ahab. Ahab, who, by the way, wants him dead. Elijah, by now, is a, is a wanted man. And so he goes and he tells Obadiah, i got to meet with the king. And Obadiah freaks out. Look in first, verse 10 of 1 Kings 18. He's like, uh, as the Lord God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord, he's talking about Ahab, is not sent to seek you. And, and when they would say he's not here, he would, uh, he would take an oath uh, of their kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And basically, he said, he's been looking to kill you, and he's been going to other nations, making them sign an affidavit that they hadn't seen you, because he is mad. And, and, and Elijah's like, yeah, well, tell him I'm here. He's like, why are you doing this to me? Well, this was a setup. Because it was time for God to beat the Baals, uh, the, 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 the prophets of Baal. And if you look there, this is like the Super Bowl of spiritual warfare, all right? And, and Elijah wins. God, God, through his grace and mercy for his purpose, the, the Baals are defeated. And now Elijah's plan in his mind is about to happen. See, Elijah's plan was national revival. What Elijah wanted was a good thing. He didn't want something bad. He wanted something good. And now he knew Jezebel and Ahab are going to repent. And if they don't, then the, the people are going to rise up against them. And there's going to be a, a nation under God for the glory of God. But look what happened. Let's now, if you've got your Bible again, I hope that you do. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. Isabel's going to read for us. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Isabel uh, is going to come. She's going to read for us. 1 Kings 19, she's going to read verses 1 through 8. Now, let's look and see uh, what what happened. Let me get there. Hold on. I was in, I was in 1 Timothy. I don't know why I was in 1 Timothy, but now I'm in 1 Kings 19. All right. Read verses 1 through 8. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel of the Lord touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold... There was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he rose, ate and drank, and went in the strength of that food 
40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Isabel. If you would, guys, go ahead and be seated. We have to be mindful of our tendency to shrink God down and imagine Him to be smaller than He is. In our sin, we can, we can imagine sometimes that God is really our genie in the bottle. That God is just waiting for our next big idea so He can do His magic and make our dreams come true. We have a culture that tells us that the whole purpose of our life is so that our dreams can come true. Hopefully there's some Disney movies and songs coming to your mind right now. This is what the world is telling us. And so, in some ways, we're buying it. And, and now we've seen God as this genie in a bottle who's basically waiting for us to say, okay, God, here's my dream. Here's, here's the thing I want to get done. Now, I need you to get in behind it. God is bigger than our plans. God is better than anything we could come up with. If we refuse to live God-centered lives, we're going to expect the rest of the world, we're going to expect the world to revolve around us. And when it doesn't, we will become despondent. I, I hesitate to use the word depressed, and here's why. I believe depression is something that happens to you oftentimes. I believe that there are people that get depressed who don't want to be depressed. I think it hits you. I've seen it hit people I love. Despondency is a little different. Despondency is sadness that you're choosing to swim in. It's taking something sad and just swallowing it and being baptized and immersed and identified in it. And, and this is what Elijah did. See, if, if we don't learn to center our lives and expectation on God and His Word and His will, we will become despondent. This was just a real, this was a punch in the gut to Elijah. Look what, look what happened. I mean, this, it, it, was, it, was, it was as painful as it was embarrassing. Look at verse 46 of 1 Kings 18. Look what he did. After the victory... So fired up, the power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. So he went all the way to the northernest part of the kingdom, to the capital, where, by the way, he's a wanted man. So he's, he's full of a little pride right now, and he's thinking, yeah, I'm a wanted man, I'm coming into the capital. What about it? Because here's why. He fully expected that there was going to be a national revival that there was going to be a ticker tape parade, that everyone was going to hoist up Elijah and say, you the man. But that's not what happened. He got there, Ahab, Jezebel, no different. The rest of the country could care less. And then he's there and he gets the word. Jezebel said, by tomorrow, you're dead. That was the emotional hit that knocked him out. His plan was national revival. The outcome was failure. So now he goes from the northernest part to the most southern part. He's scared. He runs as far away as he can get. 
And while he's there in Bersheba, that southern part, look in verse 3. Look what he does. People who had servants, they were one of two kinds of people. Either they were rich or they were prophets. Elijah was not rich. He was a prophet. So he fired his intern. He fired his servant. Why? Because he's quitting the ministry. He's decided, I'm done. God, I did what you told me to do. You didn't do what I expected you to do. You didn't make my plan a reality. I quit. He's so hurt. Look in verse 4. He's so hurt. He doesn't want to live anymore. I have seen so many people in 25 years of ministry crumble. Absolutely just crumble emotionally when their plans fail. Now some of them, the, the plan was evil. They were stealing. They were lying. They were cheating. They got caught in sin. They went to jail. They, had to, they suffered huge consequences. But it crushed them because their plan failed. There are also those I've seen over the years who had good plans. A woman who wanted to marry a godly man and stay married. A, a man who wanted to marry a godly woman and stay married. A, a godly couple that wanted to have children and raise them. A, a, a person, people that wanted to, to be successful in their career so that they could, they could financially do more. Uh, people that wanted to be academically, athletically, artistically successful in doing good things. People that, 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 that wanted to have success in good things in those moments when their plans failed. They fell apart because they had made that plan their God and replaced the one true God with an idol. Even when it's a good thing, if it's not God, when it fails, and it will, it will crush you. So Elijah is crushed. Now, what happens? God is so good to him. I want to show you this. I want you to write down. When we wrongly think our failed plans are greater than God, and please understand, God is greater. He's greater than your plans. He's greater than any challenge, opportunity, anything you'll ever face. God is greater. When we wrongly think our failed plans are greater than God, and that's what that happened there in 19, 1 through 4, and we fall into despondency, here's some things we need to do. One, we need to be strengthened physically with God's provision. God was so kind to him. God did not do what I typically do. And I'm, I'll confess this to you. So many times when people are hurting, I give a sermon. I ask him what sin led to this. I sound like I sound like Job's counselors. I I ask them if they're praying enough. I ask them these spiritual questions. You know what God did? He's so kind. He just provided for them. And he gave them something to eat. Now I want you to understand when you're in this position and you are emotionally done. God is providing for you. You got to eat. Now, God was doing something more than just giving some food. And by the way, not junk. Eat good food. And by the way, don't eat your pain. You know, don't go crazy like I am going to go crazy at our Super Bowl party tonight, all right? Now, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about eat good food that God has given to you for strength. Elijah was there, broken. He wants to die. 
And God, if, look at the type of food he gave. He gave him a cake. Remember the last time God gave him a cake? It was in 1317 when that, when that widow, and what God was doing is, I provided for you then, I'm providing for you now, I haven't forgotten. This isn't bigger than me, I'm still with you, I know what to do. Elijah was there, he needed some food, he needed a nap. I have found that many of my life's problems could be solved with a good nap. You know, sometimes... Sometimes you just need a good, healthy meal. Sometimes you need a nap. Sometimes you just need to take a walk. Sometimes you just need to watch the sunrise come up. Sometimes you just need to go stare at a mountain, stare at some water. Sometimes I just need to sit with Charlie. Sometimes I even let the cat come around. Don't judge me. I like him. He's fat like me. There's just, guys, there's physical things that we need to receive from God that are provisions. God right here, He doesn't give him a sermon. He doesn't give him a lecture. He doesn't give him a motivational speech. He, he provides from physically. Listen, if you come to our counseling center, by the way, some of you need to be coming to our counseling center. This series is going to bring up a lot of stuff, and we've been praying, we're expecting you, we're ready for you. Our counseling center, many times the first thing they say is, when was the last time you saw your medical doctor? They're going to make sure there's nothing physiological going on with you because I'm telling you, those chemicals, your body, when your body's out of whack, it causes all kinds of problems. So you need to be, listen to me very carefully, you need to, you need to receive humbly the physical provision of God. Now for some of you, that means you've got to take your medicine. You have a chemical imbalance. You have a need. It may not be forever, but it's right now. Your doctor has said, you need this, take it. Pray it through. Take the provision, the physical provision. Second thing, be comforted emotionally with God's presence. Where did he go? Look in verse 8. Where did he go? So he he doesn't just stay in verse He goes south of there to lay under the, the, the broom tree to die because it's just so worn out. God shows up. But then, with the food, that must have been some kind of cake. He's running 40 days, 40 nights. Look where he went. Underline the, the place he went. Horeb. Horeb. Not everyone is familiar with Horeb. Let me tell you, the, let me tell you another name of the same mountain. Sinai. Mount Horeb is Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai where God met with Moses and gave him the Ten Commandments. Mount Sinai, when Moses went into a cleft of a rock, a cave, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks, and the Lord passed him by to reveal himself to Moses. What's, what's Elijah doing? He's going to a known place where God has revealed himself. He's going to, to a known place because he needs a Jesus meeting. He needs a come-to-Jesus meeting. How many of you have ever had a come-to-Jesus meeting? How many of you ever had a come-to-Jesus meeting with Jesus? How many of you ever had a come-to-meeting without Jesus? Yeah, I had somebody come to me and say, we're having a come-to-Jesus meeting. I said, you know Jesus? He needed to talk to Jesus. Listen, he was so hurt and he was doubting his faith. Friends, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have a place where you go regularly 
to have a Come to Jesus meeting. Every Sunday, gather with the church so you can have a Come to Jesus meeting. Go to a place where God can speak to you every day. I have the same place every day I can get there where I have a Come to Jesus meeting and He does most of the talking. It's funny, as I was writing this, I was sitting in the place where we have had so many great conversations. You need to be in a place where you know the Word of God is being spoken, where it's been prayed over. That's, that's here. That's in, that's in a church like this. You need to have a place in your home. You need to have a place in your office. You need to have a place. I have dozens of places. I have one place. It's right here. Right here. The Lord has spoken to me. And there are times I come in here and I say, Lord, speak to me. I need, I need, I need a come to Jesus meeting right now. And the Lord is faithful. Now, when you have these come to Jesus meetings, and we're going to talk about this over the series, I just, again, don't worry about writing it down, just understand. He's going to tell you stuff you already know, okay? That you probably just forgotten. He's also going to tell you some things that you maybe don't want to hear. And you need to be ready to take the next step, and he'll show you what that is. Now, the great thing about these come to Jesus meetings is that Jesus is there, and we need to write it down, be renewed spiritually with God's promise. What is God's promise I'm talking about? Go, to, go, go turn now to Hebrews 13.8. Take your Bible and go there. If, you, if you're using your phone or, or electronic device, uh, open it up, go to uh, Hebrews 13.8, highlight it. If that's your Bible, underline it. There's a pin there. Underline Hebrews 13.8. Here's the promise, all right? It's good. It's a good word. It's good to know when you go to have this come to Jesus meeting that this is the promise of God. Here it is. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. The same Jesus who dealt with Moses is the same Jesus that dealt with Elijah is the same Jesus that dealt with Paul is the same Jesus that dealt with me. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. And, and, and that's good news. Because when you meet Jesus, Jesus is always at work. And Jesus, He's going to save and sanctify you. He does it the same way. The same way Jesus saves you is the same way He sanctifies you, makes you more and more spiritually mature and strong. We talk about it in terms of the three circles. And here, you guys have seen this, but do you really understand? Salvation doesn't end here, it begins. You repent and believe. You meet Jesus. That's the gospel. And then you pursue and recover God's design. And then throughout the rest of your life, you're going to face challenges and pain. And you're going to get an idol. And, and it's going to fail you. And you're going to repent because you're going to stop trusting and believing in, in this junk. And you're going to trust Jesus. You're going to pursue Him. And you're going to continue to grow. The same Jesus, not only does He save and sanctify, but He sees us through. I was mindful of a, of a season in my life when Jesus saw me through. It, I can promise you it was not me, it was God. Some of you guys remember years ago we were going to relocate the church to Lover's Lane. How many of you guys were around for that? We spent months, years, raised millions of dollars. I worked, I had one, I worked so hard. And then four weeks before we were going to break ground, We'd already gone out there and blessed us the place. Whatever business out there has got some prayer on over it, all right? And some of our leadership came and said, Pastor, um, Holy Spirit wants to sell the property, and we, we think we got we got to consider this. We think this might be God's provision. It's God's plan. 
And it took me a little bit. It took me a day or so. And I said, you're, you're right. we got to pursue this. We brought it to the church. And the church was like, yep. Because a few that said no and they left. They got mad. They got mad over it and left. Let me tell you why I'm so grateful for God's plan. We're not $40 million in debt today. We're, we're under a million dollars. Our total budget, just over 4% of our total budget is what goes to debt service. Can you imagine how many people would love to have their entire budget be just over 4% of debt service? We have six other languages that are free to meet here and do meet. Three that are members of our church, three that are church plants in other languages because we have this space. God provided the space that we needed. Right now, there's some 250 people worshiping in the chapel in a different style of worship here in the same sermon that you're hearing right now through a different personality. That's the provision of God. But what was interesting was after that vote and after that change, I got a ton of free lunches for like a month or so. And it was great because people who loved me and they were taking me out to lunch and they're like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, what do you know? And they're like, well, we know that you had your heart set on relocating the church. And guys, this was the God thing. I didn't have my heart set on relocating the church. It was just more work. My heart was set on making disciples that make disciples. And so when, when, when folks found out, I mean, they were, their emotional response kind of scared me a little bit. I said, are you mad that I'm not mad? Because Baptists are funny. They'll get mad about all kinds of stuff. Right? No, no, we just thought you were just going to be tore up. I want everything that I do to feel like that. I want to be able to say about my children, about my, my church, about my friends, about my, my life. I just want to say, God, you're my goal. And I trust you. God has given us this great promise in Jeremiah 29 11. You know this one? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When your God is the God, and that's your plan, you will not be crushed when other plans fail. You know that He is greater than your plans. Even your good plans, He's greater, and He will provide. So real quick, and we're going to go over this a little bit more in the weeks ahead, and I want to make sure you're here for this, but let me just say this so it's already kind of on your mind a little bit, and that's this. When we, when we know God is greater than our plans, three things we do. We look to God's Word. We're looking to God's Word because that's where God speaks. We pray for God's strength. As we are seeing what God says and what He commands, we pray, God, strengthen me to do this. And then we take the next step. Now, here's the deal. Some of you need to do what I've done, what many have done today, is you need to come forward in just a minute when, when, when we're singing, and you need to have a come-to-Jesus meeting. I know it wasn't planned. That's okay. It wasn't your plan. It's God's stuff. He's ready to talk to you. Some of you need to ask Him to forgive you of your sin and take over your life. That's salvation. You need to start that today. Some of you are already God's children. But, but something has hit you and hurt you, and you need to talk to Him about it 
and ask Him to strengthen you and provide for you so that you can walk out of here in just a minute free from whatever has been weighing you down. And some of you have burdens. Some of you know of other people that have burdens that are hurting. Come get on your knees for them. Come pray for them. They need your help. They need your hope. They need your prayer. Let's stand together. Father, you know us so well. You know what we need. Your plan is perfect. Ours is not. You're greater than our plans. Lord, I'm so so glad you're, you're, you're powerful and good and that you love us so much. And I pray for some who right now just need to give their lives to you and trust you. Some who need to surrender an idol and say, Lord, I've been living for this and forgive me. I, I need you. Some that are so disappointed right now, they feel like Elijah. They're so disappointed with where life is or where the life of their child is or the, the business or the marriage or the whatever. And today they just they want to come to you and say, Lord, I need you. And then there's so many hurting in our in our own circle of relationships. Lord, hear those who come in prayer on their behalf. Spirit of prayer, come on and pray. Come on, have a, come to Jesus. Come on and pray.